Hello, everybody. Welcome. This is MG. I'm Elizabeth Pudwell, and we are Sober Sisters Talk. So we are here for another episode. It is January 31st, 2020, and um, MG and I, you know, we spend a few minutes catching up and chatting, and then um, we just kind of go, so what do you want to talk about? And I suggested the second step, because by the time this airs, it's, we're going to be in February. Right. And um, we do want to try to, like, you know, at least once a month, during the month, you know, yeah. cover the step. Because it's, I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to get sort of, like, out in the peripheral work and and avoid the, the you know. Nitty gritty. Yeah. The thing that mm-hmm. got me sober. But what made me think about it is when we were talking, we were talking about past, like, really fucked up behavior. Yes. Not just from um, myself, which I have had, but also from sponsees. And when you take on a new sponsee, well, when I do, when I take on a new sponsee, I always hear, like, stuff like, like, you know, oh, my God. And it's me. Yeah. All over again. Yeah. That's why this program works. Because I can't judge. I've been there. Oh, my God. The, you know, drunk a log, you know, acting out a log. We could just, you know, it it would be great sensational TV. I don't know. You know, I just, like, marvel at that part of this. Because nowhere else, nowhere else that I know of do people say, let's help others and we'll get better. Yeah. Nowhere else. Yeah. In every other organization, you know, they, they may want to help other people, uh-huh. but it is not to heal themselves. Yeah. You know? Well, I think that, that you know, the model of AA has been translated, like, to, you know, Wounded Warriors Project. You know, that there are these nonprofit organizations that are founded by people who they want to serve. And so I think that it's important that if you... Uh, that that you can translate it and say, you know, because we're all in this place and we've had this experience, we're the ones that can be most effective in helping others. And so I feel like there are some out there, but I think that that's the beauty of why I think 12-step recovery works so well. It's because I'm not any better than anyone else in this program. And, you know, we all get a 24-hour reprieve where we can go right back out a daily reprieve based upon your fit spiritual condition and it's you know like i i'm always pushing my sponsees you need to sponsor someone Mm -hmm. you need to work with someone Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it will cure all your woes (laughs) no doubt (laughs) and it's a selfish thing it's like and they don't realize it until they do it yes you know that this helps me and it takes quite a bit of investment in order for you to really understand, you know, you've got to go from 1 to 12 in order to really get how yeah. much you get from it. I usually, in um, when I see somebody come in and, and they've made it, they've, they're on 9, they're in the pink cloud. And they go like, oh, this is so wonderful. You know, the promises have started. And that's the awesome part of this, you know. That's usually when you... I'm reminded all over again. God, this program's a fucking miracle. Yeah. It works. Yeah. Yeah. So, step two is came to believe that a a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So, my my sponsor, when we worked the steps together, she always um, started 
the um, step work with the verb. And, you know, step one is um, we admit it. Step two is came to. It, it, there's two parts. It's came to and came to believe. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like you're coming to, like you wake, mm-hmm. you wake the mm-hmm. fuck up. Mm-hmm. And you go like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. And um, I always do this step backwards when I work with my sponsees. Mm-hmm. I start on the sane and insane behavior, mm-hmm. which is what made me think about this because you and I were talking about our um, insane our behavior. Insane behavior. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you an example. One of the things that I used to do is I used to walk to the parking garage and with my or I would meet my qualifier there. We never walked together because he didn't want to be seen with me. Because you're not his girlfriend. Because I would meet him there. Right. And then have an interlude in my vehicle and then walk back. Yeah. And I was sharing with you how he didn't kiss me. He didn't touch me. Um, the interlude was all based upon me giving to him. Mm-hmm. And um, then we would walk back and he would cross the street and walk in front of me. Yeah. Not with me. How humiliating. It is humiliating. It's degrading. Right. It's degrading that, um, like, I think of myself that way. Like, and I remember thinking, like, what is he doing? And here's the insane part, though, MG. I, after every time, I thought it would be different. This time, he won't do that. And that is the insane and insidious part of this addiction Mm -hmm. is that if I, and I kept trying to figure out if I have this special combination of things that I do to him, then he won't treat me that way. So like there's things that I need to do in order to get reciprocity. But that equation is never going to equal your happiness because they are just as sick as we are. Right. And they know. I mean, I can remember this one guy kept, he was like saying, hey, I'm here to give you your fix. I mean, it's like, you know, he knew the deal too. Right. And so there was this complicit. He has, there's, there was no reason for him to have any behavior change because this was satisfying his need. Right. He and I the, kept doing it. Right. You know, so why is he gonna? Why is he gonna do anything different? I kept trying harder and putting more into it. And oh, for Christ's I remember sake. one time, MG. Um, so this time he had come to my home, and um, I did something very different sexually that he had never experienced, and that he found quite exciting. Mm. And it was the only time mm. that I have known him. Mm-hmm. That was a Friday night, and he called me Saturday. Oh. The only time hmm. that I saw him two hmm. nights in a row. Mm. And I was like, that first, when he called that night, I was like, aha, I got him. Yeah. I was like, I, it, no. Yeah. Yeah. No. So when you go when you go through the step, do you? Because I think you, I remember you had me do this, like talk about insane and sane behaviors. I think there's a workbook, there's a worksheet where it's like I list my. You insane. list the insane behaviors and then the corresponding sane, and the corresponding you have to come up with. So like, in this instance, continued, you know, sex 
having sex or repeated sex acts in order to get him to treat me the way I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's the corresponding same behavior? And this probably needs to be done with a sponsor, oh, yeah. which is what I did. But the, now, I mean, the corresponding same behavior is that I have to fill that I have to fill that need with inside of me. Right. That dude's never gonna make me feel loved, make me feel whole. Right. And I mean, and and it, it speaks to a larger piece of it, which is. Don't get wrapped up with some guy wh- that you don't even know or some some gal that you don't even know that you can't, you don't have any. It, it's like, it, it's so deep, much deeper Yeah, yeah, than yeah. That. You could go wait, like, what the fuck am I doing this for in the first place? Right. Why am I having sex with somebody like this? Yes. Why am I walking to the parking garage with somebody that doesn't even walk with me? You know? Why am I walking to the parking garage to have sex with somebody? That is not... You know, this isn't your husband of twenty and years, and you're gonna exactly. like and, and we're have gonna a spice it up, you right? Because I'm not opposed to that, right? But this was, you know, in the beginning of our relationship, outside we, of our own value oh, system, it was way outside of my value system, right? And I was acting outside of my value system, which is really the insane behavior, acting outside of my value system, and I was doing it to get him to love me, right? And it was, in a way, a manipulation, total, right? I mean, these are the things I had to make amends for. Yeah. So, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So then the other part of that, if you go like, you know, you came to. So I came to. I've I've heard it. Step one came. You just go to the meeting. Came to. Came to believe. So I love that. Yes. It is. And it's like when you come to, it's like you wake up. and And step two for me... Um, and I really encourage my sponsees to try to get to this place where it's like fucking repetitive and fucking pain in the ass because it's the same thing over and over again, right? Over and over and over again. And you know, if like the thing, the expecting a different result, like you were talking about, that's the definition of insanity. I kept working at it. I kept working at it. I kept trying to get him to love me. I I was like, maybe one day he'll see my light. Maybe one day he'll know how special (laughs) I am. If I do this thing, if I take him on this trip, if I buy him this thing, if I, you know, put braces on his teeth, if I get his car repaired, if I let him live with me rent free for six months, you know, if I do all this stuff, maybe one day he'll wake up and look at me and say, Oh my God, where have you been all my life? No. Yeah, no, that didn't happen. Doesn't happen. So, that came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So the way that my sanity was re- restored was to see my repeated attempts to make somebody try to change, somebody try to fill the need in me that could only be filled by me, by God, by, God. by spirit. Yeah. yeah. By my soul. Higher power. Whatever you want Whatever to Whatever the it. mystery is. Whatever. Well, and it was a little bit difficult for me when I first got into AA around step two because I was in, an, I call it an atheist mode. I was so anti-anything religious. I was anti-spiritual. I didn't even like the sayings, you know, that that there's those posters. Let go and let God. Live and let go and let God in that churchy font. Fuck that churchy font, you know. I can't stand that. No, I'm not going to let go and let God, you know. It's like ridiculous. It's like God got me in this. You know, that's my my little angry teenager that, you know, going into recovery. (laughs) 
So it was a, a long, long process. And what, what, how I came to was uh, my sisters in recovery because for around SLAA issues because, you know, by this time, you know, when I reached my bottom in, in SLAA, I mean, I, I had double digit, you know, sobriety from alcohol. And it was a real wake-up call for me. And it was not only my sobriety sisters, but my other good friends that they were just like, what are you doing with this? Why, why can't you let this guy go? My been seven years, you know? And they just, you know, kind of loved me through it. And so seeing my behavior and how it affected them was a piece of it that helped me realize that I need to, you know, change things. And... That is spirit, though. That yeah. is how I had this group of um, friends in AA. I was going down to the the cathedral meeting regularly. Oh, yeah, I love that meeting. And um, I had this whole group of people that we were socializing and hanging out together. And you go to that meeting every day, and so you see these people every day. And um, You had to go to Tree Beards and get a salad. Uh, I remember, there. Loved it. I remember... Um, they used to tell me, like, I wish you could see yourself as I see you through my eyes. Because you would never let somebody treat you that way. And it, it I remember, like, in the beginning, like, because um, my friend in Baytown used to tell me, when you love yourself enough, you will stop, you know, and I was like, what the hell does that mean? I do love myself. Who doesn't love themselves? That's, like, ridiculous, you know? And I didn't get it, but... When Beth said that to me, I remember, like, just being, I could, I could grasp it, you know? I could start to really feel it. And I don't know, I probably had six, seven years in AA by then when this was going on. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it was also when I was, you know, really working at extricating myself from that. When I was doing this step work mm-hmm. and realizing that, you know, I am seeking the wrong source to feel okay about me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. External. In term, in terms of, you know, a person, right? Like a you drug. Know, I, I feel, I feel like God is within me, right? That Food, God, right? 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 You call it. I remember you call it the God hole. You know, there's this huge hole within my psyche, my soul. And, uh, and I keep trying to fill it with, you know. Well, I use this analogy a lot. So we could go out in, the, in my yard, in my front yard, my beautiful front yard, and dig a big hole. And we can leave it there. And if we leave it there, you know, shit's going to blow in there, trash. And if it rains, mud will go in there. And eventually the hole will fill up. It'll fill up with stuff. Or we can go out there and dig a big hole and plant something in it something intentional that we want there. Mm-hmm. And that's what the second step is for me, is mm-hmm. to like, I have to fill those needs within myself. And I can't go around with this big hole and ask some jerk, fill this hole. Right. He's got one too. Right. He can't fill mine. Well, that all goes back to this guy, Harville Hendricks. Do you know his books? Mm-mm. Keeping the Love You Fine and Getting the Love You Want. And, uh, and it's all about that. And he, his first exercise you do is that you write down like your major life partners. Like I've had like four 
and like write down like descriptive terms about them you know they're handsome they're funny you know these different things and uh, and then you circle of them what 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 are common things that you have in them and most of them were like they're emotionally unavailable for me and so it creates he talks about the imago that it's this image this of this person type that you keep getting attracted to and the reason that you're attracted to that person is because you want that for yourself. Right. So I used to love bikers. And so one of the things I did as a result of his book was go over to San Jacinto College and learn how to ride a bike, you know, how to get on a motorcycle myself and feel that empowerment, you know. And it was like it just took care of that, like, desire for me looking outside saying, oh, I want this exciting, sexy thing you know, being on a motorcycle and with them. And uh, it's like, you know, I can ride a motorcycle myself. I don't have to have some old guy, you know, oh, maybe he'll bring his bike. You know, I don't need that. So it's about a piece of that, about where we're trying to fulfill something missing or lacking within us. Right. I think so much of mine, MG, was not feeling important and not feeling like I counted and trying to reconcile that mm. and trying to get somebody mm. making them. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to make you do this. I'm going to figure out the right combination of acts, yes. sex acts and, and not saying anything and not standing up for myself and letting you do mm -hmm. whatever you want to mm -hmm. me. And then you'll love me. And yeah. yeah, that did not work. Well, for me, I feel like it's almost like my Al-Anonic codependent nature that you know and that's where I'll accept those crumbs you know that it's okay that you can just give me a booty call and you know if I'm out and about and I see you you just go oh yeah oh hey oh hey how's it going you know like I'm, I'm no more important to you than the bartender or you know whoever else is is around it's like I'm not special so it's like you know and trying to be cool with that yeah I'm okay with that I can be cool I can be cool. No, I cannot. I cannot be cool. No, I can't. I've never been able to be that. But there were some there were some guys in high school that I felt like I was good friends with and we did mess around and I didn't, you know, feel like there was uh it wasn't like this need within me. So I have had some relationships like that. But for the most part, no. So I'm having this flashback of this memory. So um at one point, he brought me uh, an invitation, a printed invitation to a party he was having for his own birthday. Him and his buddies all had birthdays around the same time. And it was at a nightclub. And I was like, why are you giving this to me? And he was like, because I want you to come. And I was like, oh, you do. What are you going to do if I actually show up? You said that to him? Yeah. And he said, offer you something to drink and... I was like, huh, okay. You're like, uh-huh, okay. So I did go. I bought something new to wear, and I asked a girlfriend to go with me, and I, she knew, and I was like, but here's the thing. If I want to leave, I want to leave. I want to leave right now. And she was like, I'm good with that. Got a babysitter. I drove Samantha 20 miles away to a babysitter, and then drove another 20 miles to this stupid place. And walked in. It's all dark. There must have been 10 birthday parties going on in this club. 
couldn't find him, finally found them. And he was on the dance floor with some other girl holding her really close and dancing with her when we got there. And I just felt sick. Oh my God, like a knife in your heart. I just wanted to throw up. So my girlfriend, she like made herself comfortable and I stood on the end of the de- on the edge of the dance floor, waited till he was done. And he comes over and he is like, I could, I mean, it, he was shocked. And he like, oh, hi. <laughs> and then he turned around and walked the other way. <gasps> and I found my girlfriend and I was like, we're leaving. But here's the kicker. That wasn't the last time you interacted with oh, him. Oh, no, 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 no. So and having, I mean, having not but, that knowledge and having that pain and seeing that didn't it wasn't stop enough. us. But wasn't what, enough. The thing is, is what I remember though, looking back on this now, is like I was so mad and I wasn't mad at him. I was mad at me. I was so mad at myself for still wanting it, for still, you know, for all mm-hmm. for doing all of that stuff mm-hmm. I did. Mm-hmm. I bought an outfit and oh got a babysitter and you know, all the effort that we put into I it. I pulled all these other people into it, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My daughter, my friend. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh Jesus. But you weren't mad at that douchebag, you know? I mean I was, but I, I mean it, that's the way it came out, but now looking at it like this, you know, back here looking down at it with my intellect and the experience that I have, I was mad at myself mm-hmm. for being sucked into it mm-hmm. again. Again. Here we are. Again. Well, and I think we can liken that to the alcoholic who wakes up from the hangover the next day. Right. It's like, oh my God, I did it again. I got m- wasted and, you know, where's my car? And like, what happened, you know, to my body? And, you know, unfortunately, I never passed out. I only blacked out once and that was when I did nitrous oxide. Yeah, but, I remember that story. Yeah, but I don't I don't ever I remember every grisly detail from my drinking days, unfortunately. So but, yeah. I think the the lesson here, if I can share with you listener, is to um get a sponsor who really understands what the whole step means, what you're looking for. Um, to do the make a list of all your insane behavior and then have somebody help you with the corresponding same behavior and don't back off from it. It will feel painful um, to continually repeat and write what it is that you're <laughs> right you've done. And if you feel like you're an atheist and you don't believe in a power greater than yourselves, you know what 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 helped me was I would go to AA meetings initially and I would see like the group like the people like these sober people so like this entity this group of people was definitely a power greater than me not any individual person no but it's the group it's that whole thing like and you go there and you share this is what's going on with me and you get this collected feedback and it's like this works right that's that, a power and, greater than yourself. And the women in my life who love me, my dear friends and my recovery women, it's like, you know, they were also a power greater than myself. 
And, uh, and when I was first sober in AA, I'd been through, like, um, now I know from our last podcast, it's called, you know, um, outpatient treatment, uh, that when I was in that, because I was going to like, I had two individual therapy sessions a week and a group therapy session a week. And, and in that group therapy session, I met someone who's just become like a, a sister recovery sister of mine. And, um, she kept saying to me, you don't believe in God, but God believes in you. And I'd be like, fuck you. I hated that. <laughs> and so she would always like, you know, give me oh like God. little God books, like little meditation books. And it would piss me off. But one year for Christmas, she gave me this book on angels and she knows I love art. And it was this beautiful, like picture, like coffee table book of like all these, you know, like we're talking medieval artists, you know, like modern day artists. And it was all about angels in your life. And so she knew I couldn't throw it away or give it away because it was so beautiful. And so I was like, all right, fuck, I'll read all this about these goddamn angels. And so, and it, and it was about how to call in your angels and how to have them be advocates for you. And I'm like, really? Really? Okay. All right. This is some fantasy BS. So, I don't know why I edited bullshit when I've been saying fuck, but that's okay. So, I was looking at this angel book, and they were talking about meditating. And at this time in my life, uh, I was trying to buy a new car. And I didn't... The car that I wanted was up at this dealer in Dallas. And so, it was like, I'd have to get a ride up to Dallas and get this car. and But it was a great price, and the dealer was like, yes, and faxed the pages over, and I was getting ready to sign. So, I'm like right I'm gonna put this angel bullshit to test and so they had you do a meditation where you lay down and you like imagine your angels and it was plural hovering over you like you know uh, they can be hovering or they can be moving and it was like this whole thing and so I'm like they you know like you read it out loud like here's what you do so I did that and I laid down and I felt something I felt something, and I felt three of them. It was so interesting that it was three, and they were like, probably like at the ceiling height of my apartment, and they were kind of like rotating around me, kind of like, you know, and I didn't see anything, but I just felt this energy, and so I said, okay, angels, should I go to Dallas and get this car? And they were all like, no, we don't think so. We don't think it's a good idea. I'm like, I'm ready to sign the paperwork. They're like, no, it's not, no, no, no. So I like, I had like an experience of something outside of myself. And maybe it's just my own intuition, my own knowing within me that by, but in it, a way, it doesn't matter. That's your, yes, that is spirit. Right. That right. is what that is. Right. So, so the answer to my question, because you know, if I was absolutely sure about this thing, I wouldn't have had to have questioned it. Right. So, but the fact that I'm questioning it, I think is the fact that I wasn't really fully on board. And so it gave me an experience. Now, whether angels are real is up for our dear listeners to figure out on their own. I'm just saying that it was an experience that helped me realize that there was a deeper inner knowing that uh, that was um, a power greater, greater than a power greater than myself, 
and I mean, and we've talked before about my experience, you know, doing my ninth step with you, where there was like a, a serious, you have a serious shift. Yeah. You do, and you can feel it. You yeah. know, right? The first time I burnt that letter to that qualifier, I was overcome. Overcome. Wow. So I encourage you. Find a way, you know, to tap into your higher power. And um, even if it's just a group, get a sponsor, you know, get somebody to help you um, find your patterns because that is what this whole thing is about. And um, your sane and insane behavior is about you doing the same thing, expecting different results. And you can be restored to sanity. You can. Girl, I was insane. I was crazy. And so were you. I was. I was doing sick the, and do, suffering. And, you know, yeah. we've been able to see it. I didn't see you sick and suffering. You saw me sick and suffering. I saw our dear You'll Shanda. have to trust me. Yes. Yes. Well, <laughs> right. we did. We just talked about that. And yeah. we both have seen, you know, I have multiple sponsees doing crazy fucking shit. Right. Crazy. And, you know, and, and I remember Ava saying that this program is homicidal and suicidal. And so we lost another sister in our program. Just recently, just in this week. In the past week. few weeks, yeah, just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And, uh, and it was really sad. And so I think that, you know, in my book of knowledge of, like, suicides, that I can name three right off the bat. That is, just from here just from my experience in this program. So, you know, please continue to listen. Uh, we're Reach s- out you where, can you can, where you can contact us. That's, a, that's right. That's we, have, right. we have an email address. And, but there's also so many other ways. There's fws.org um, where you can go on and you can find phone meetings and you can find um, online meetings. There's a, There's a plethora of resources out there for you. Right. And if you're in a place where there are no SLAW meetings, go to an Al-Anon meeting. Go to a CODA meeting. Go to an AA meeting. Go to an AA speaker meeting. Yeah. You can tell them I said that because I will tell you that. I know you're not an alcoholic, but you don't have to be to go to a speaker meeting. And you can go and listen to your story, and it will help you. You will see how somebody else was restored to sanity. Right. Thank you so much. Till the next time. Bye. So if you want to get in touch with us, please send us an email at SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. Or you can check out our other episodes at www.SoberSistersTalk.com. And we're also on Facebook. We have a Facebook page and there we have them all lined up. You can see them. You can get a little description. You can share it. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Bye.